Hey, Cass. Hey. <laughs> Good What's to the see hurry? you. Got some place to be? Yeah. What, not happy to see me? No love for Nachi. <laughs> no, I'm late, okay? Oh, I know. I want my deposit back. I wish I could, but it's in play. Just waiting to hear their own sight, okay? Fetch. Seriously. I'm not one of these losers going to let you float until they forget how much you owe them. You're here with him. To what? To threaten me? Fetch. You let him talk you into this? The subject is money. I just ask you a question. Work. Since when do you take orders from nurture? Don't answer that. You need work this bad. Leave him out of it. He said all I need to do was stand here. Good. You keep at it. You think I'm messing around? I hope so. I'm going to do us a favor and not mention this happened. Vetch, very nice to see you. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Wampas Their Podcast. This is episode number 485, and your premiere. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the cast in Andor to my B2 EMO, we have Carl LeClaire. I knew you'd I knew you'd make yourself BT. <laughs> B2. Oh, B2, B2 is awesome. Cassian. Cassian. <laughs> There, I, I also, stutters. I kind of was hoping you'd you'd make yourself Cassian so that I could be Luthan. So I go, Ander, Cassian, Ander. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, but yes, here we are, Carl. Here we are, we, Jason, we on the other side the of premiere. the yes, at the other side of the premiere, uh, th- a three episode premiere that. Uh, these three episodes worked so well together. I I don't know if they were purposely planning to do all three at once when they originally were going to premiere this in August or if they just decided well since we're delaying it a month let's give them three at once not sure but I think it worked really well with these three episodes they obviously we were talking about this before we hit record but you know you you put it quite perfectly that this was very much like a prologue right like these three episodes Mm -hmm. are kind of like they launch us now into the story right exactly exactly and as you know, a complete like story arc. I think it, they, these three episodes do work together uh, very, very well in that regard to, to sort of serve as a, as a launching a base to launch into the story as a whole. So um, it would have been very, we may have been having a different conversation if not all three of these episodes had been played, uh, had been released at once. Um, there may have been some different different takes and different mm. feelings uh, on what we had gotten, um, and we'll get into some of those details as we go. Um, yeah, but I know for sure for me, uh, having all three of these episodes together really kind of 
helped me kind of get invested in the story as a whole that we're about to start telling with Cassian Andor. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. Um, yeah, it, it was uh, <laughs> Jeepers, of course, as, as this episode releases, you, you, it'll be the same time that ep- the fourth episode comes out. <laughs> so we're like yes. kind of going to be a day behind, but that's okay. Uh, thank you for listening if you're here, um, irreg- irregardless of the fact that we're already into the fourth episode. So thank you for, for coming back for our recap of the opening three. Um, I got up at I, I had a really long day at work last Wednesday and I wasn't going to get home from work till a little after nine. I was like, I don't want to wait till that late to watch it. So I just got myself up at 6 a.m. last Wednesday and watched all three before work, which was good at. And bad. It was good because it was like it got me excited, gave me some energy for the day. But then it was also like I was half asleep, I feel like, during the first episode. So um, I went back and watched them again uh, later that night, irregardless of getting home late. (laughs) And then uh, I did did them all one more time uh, this afternoon. And uh, I was I was saying to you before, again before we started recording that uh, each subsequent viewing I liked it more, um, and not not to say that I didn't like it on the first viewing, but I just liked it more each subsequent viewing. Um, so yeah, like you said, I, looking forward to just talking to talking about some of these things that we really enjoyed, some of the things that popped into mind. Um, real quick before we dive into uh, all things Andor. Um, Want to just announce the winner from last week's episode? We were doing a giveaway again. It was such a such a pleasure having Mary Lara with us last week to talk about Princess and the Scoundrel, um, that the the incredible novel by Beth Revis. Um, but uh, we we did a giveaway on our social media for a, a copy of the book, and we'd like to congratulate Jeff Fishbach for winning our copy of The Princess and the Scoundrel. Jeff, you've always been nothing but supportive of the show, so I can think of no one more rewarding than than more deserving than you of, of, of winning our little giveaway contest. So thank you, Jeff, for participating, for playing, and for always being part of Wampus Lair. Yes, absolutely. And enjoy the story. Um, obviously, we did. Uh, mm-hmm. If you'll listen to our previous episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> um, so we uh, we have a. I I was I messaged you earlier today, Jason. So for some reason, I had a really hard time just like putting notes down for for the episode, which is, mm-hmm. is this rarely happens to me that I don't know how to formulate my thoughts, and I, I have no idea what was going on in my brain today, but I just. Even as I was rewatching them, I, I was like, oh, I should write this down. I should write this down. But I also refused to pull out my like phone or computer to make notes because like, no, no, no. I just want to enjoy them. I just want to enjoy them. Right. Like, I don't want to be sitting here making this a homework assignment. And then, of course, right. I sat down afterwards to write everything down. And I was like, damn it. Why can't I remember anything? <laughs> Maybe that's just what it means to get older. But I don't know. <laughs> um, but- uh, maybe. Maybe. But I'm sure we'll we'll come up with some of these points oh, as we discuss well um what do you want to start with did you is there anything yeah. you wanted to start with or well, the, i would yeah i would say the biggest thing that really really uh just like made me super excited about this th- this three-part arc um is really that it is kind of the start of a hero's journey, right? Like this was something mm-hmm. we talked about a couple episodes ago, just after watching the trailer um, and, and getting to see, you know, the clip from the third episode of, of Cassian meeting Luthen 
and and that was where I kind of said like, oh my goodness, this was the that was the one clip that finally got me really excited about the show. Again, it wasn't that I had zero interest. It just you know, the Star Wars stories that always excite me the most are the ones that have to do with the Force and the Jedi. So this is obviously going to be a series probably for the first time ever in Star Wars devoid of that, which I think is also important because mm-hmm. there's a lot of fans that don't want that. Um, so it's cool that, that we're getting something different. Um, but right. uh, yeah, that's what I, that's just, that's the thing that really stood out to me the most is that this, this story kind of begins like a lot of Star Wars stories do, which is a character trying to, recapture something they've lost to, to find something that's missing. Right. I mean, all the way back to the original story, it's Luke wanting to know about his father and then to connect it most recently to something from star Wars is of course, Jin losing her family um, and wondering about her father. Right. This is a, this is a trope that is continually appearing in star Wars as characters having some sense of, of, of search or longing for the, the family that they've lost. And that's how the yeah. ep- that's how this kind of series begins. It's what's it's the inciting incident that causes Cassian to kill these, you know, these Corsac guards. Um, is essentially yeah. he's he's looking for a sister. He's looking for yeah. the one he left behind. Um, and and the closing shot of Episode One is his sister standing there in the village, kind of by herself. It's 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 a really well framed shot. She's kind of mm-hmm. center center of the frame. He's gone, and that's the last time he's going to see her. Um, and again, in the episodes, we kind of gather that his people, the 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 community he was part of, it's insinuated that they were probably wiped out by the Republic. Um, and my guess is that Cassian, obviously, he got word that there's uh, is it Kur- 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 oh my gosh, what's the name of the planet? Karani, Karani? No, <laughs> uh, it's. Uh, Canari. Canari. Thank you. <laughs> but yes. he gets he gets word that there's a, a woman from Canari on, on that planet he goes to in the opening episode. Um, and he's looking for his sister. So, again, like I I assume that he just figures she's she's dead. Um, but then obviously here's otherwise. So that kind of was what sets him in motion. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, it's do we do we hmm. want to kind of uh, before we we jump into some of the uh some of the other stuff do we want to kind of talk about um the the flashback story that we've got so far um because it's it's it is interesting it it's uh there there haven't revealed too much information but it looks like we're going to get more of it as we go um so Cassian and his sister are a part of the this this tribe of you know adolescent to <laughs> children. I guess it's, it's um, like the, you know, the, there's no adults in I know, this group it's at like all. From Peter Pan, it's never uh, What's what are they called? Right, the, yeah. Are they the lost? What are they called? Oh my gosh! Why can't? What are the names of the kids? In, in Peter Pan, in it's Peter, the Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. Um, yeah, it's, I feel like yeah, Cassian grows up with the Lost Boys <laughs> from Neverland. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we we get that you know the idea that it was a. Uh, a, in a, a mining incident um, happened, at least that's what is reported uh, on this planet that, you know, killed all the people, except for these kids somehow. Um, and and it's very interesting to, to see that they're trying to survive when a separatist ship crashes. Uh, 
you know, and they go to explore and somebody dies and Cassian gets swept away by a couple of scavengers before the Republic forces arrive uh, to investigate the crash. So it's very interesting and very curious. And I'm, I'm very interested to see kind of what else we get, but you know, obviously we're going to get more because his sister is supposedly still out there. You know, I assume, you know, we can assume that um, based on his mission at the beginning of the, the show. So, and she was young, you know, she was probably like six or seven uh, when he left, you know, mm. maybe, you know, maybe. So, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I have trouble quick, with aging kids. Quick, um, quick question though about the ship that crash lands on Neverland. Um, yeah. Is it Separatist or is it Republic? I think it's Republic, right? It's, it's Separatist. The the crest on the uniforms is Separatist. That's true, but why did? But the so Marva, the woman who basically rescues him and kidnaps him. I think that's worth noting. She she kind of does kidnap yeah. him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she says that you know the that they just killed a Republic officer, so they're as good as dead. Like I, I'm pretty oh. sure that's what she says. Yeah, because like now that you say it, like I think it is. A, I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's meant to be like a Republic science emblem, but it does kind of look like the Separatist logo too. Maybe, but she insinuates that. The, yeah, she insinuates that she needs to take him because if she leaves him, she knows that the Republic troops are going to wipe out like these kids for killing like a you know a Republic officer. Um, right. Right. So. Yeah, I, I'm not, I, I, not saying you're wrong, but I, I'm almost positive that's what Marva says, and that's kind of like her reason, again, for kidnapping slash adopting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I, maybe I misunderstood about that, but I, I was under the impression it was separatist, but maybe it is Republic. I don't know. I'm sure yeah, we'll we're gonna, find I feel, out. Yes, uh, I feel like we're going to learn a lot more. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, right. Like similar to Mandalorian and season one, we get snippets of his backstory until the final episode when it's all fully flushed out. Um, I'm sure we're going to, and I think we're going to get more about Cassian growing up with Marva and, oh my goodness. This is, well, this Clem. is one Clem. Thank you. His, so his adoptive parents. Um, and clearly his father is put to death. Um, so and something I noticed I didn't notice this until my third watch through Jason the blaster that Cassian uses in in like the the present time of the show is the blaster his father carries so um, yeah I didn't notice and that. and it's a first. very it's a very similar model to the one that Hera uses in Rebels hmm oh very nice I, um, I just know this because I have her Black Series figure uh, and the blaster is very similar looking so <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I, but it's it, right. But that, like, I think all the flashback stuff again is just kind of it's very typical Star Wars about you know a character having to uh, overcome some sort of trauma. I mean, again, this is mm-hmm. that that is definitely what's going on with Cassian. Is his his life begins um, his life kind of begins rooted in trauma, just like it did with Jin, just like it does with Luke, just like it does with Anakin, right? The stars of Star yep. Wars stories tend to often be formed out of places of, of, of trauma. And Cassian 
Um, although I, I, I love using his name that he obviously has among his people, which is Kassar, which I think is just really cool. Um, but uh, yeah. what's very what's very clear is that he's kind of ripped away from his place of origin. He's ripped away from the world he knew. And again, like I felt like Marva's explanation for why she takes him, like it's all there in the dialogue. It's all there in the exposition. But you can't help but wonder. I feel like it's going to take him a bit to get to trust her because probably yeah. for a little for a young boy, all he sees her as is a kidnapper. I mean, she uses uses like a toxin to knock him out. Like she essentially kidnaps him. But uh, clearly yeah. that relationship changes into one of parental uh, connection. Yeah, no, you're right, because it is it's such a, a rocky beginning. And she, you know, she obviously, you know, cares about what happens to him. But from his perspective, especially since there's a language barrier, they can't understand each other um, at the beginning. So she can't tell him why she did what she did. Uh, she just knocks him out with a. Uh, which, what did you call it? A dozer, I think, was the, um, the, the thing that she asked for from B two. Uh, but yeah, it is. It is going to be very interesting to see how, if they if they explore that more in the flashbacks, um, because the the final shot that they have of you know in the third episode from the flashback where they're taking off and he's sort of waking up and recovering. You know, she gives him a smile and he kind of kind of smiles back but mm. you know he's also probably still coming out of you know <laughs> coming out of being drugged so i love that it's um, called a dozer too though because <laughs> it makes yeah, you doze yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep yep just <laughs> knock him out yeah. um so uh, but yeah it's it is going to be very interesting I, I i think she's a great character marva um even like when we jump back into the current time um uh, She's definitely someone that Cassian uh, trusts and cares about very, very deeply. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she, she's tried to help him, but, you know, he keeps getting himself into scrapes and troubles. And this time, it's something that she's not going to be able to help him out of. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if their paths crossed again. I think they will. Um, if I, there, I think there's a shot in the trailer that doesn't seem to be from these episodes so far of her and Cassian. So, uh, but yeah, I think they will. I'm very, I am, like you said, I'm very curious to see how many of these characters that we met on, uh, on the main planet of the, the, the Ferrix, Ferrix, um, yeah. how many of them are actually going to come back. Mm, so, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that maybe that's that's a good segue into um let's just talk about some of these characters cuz we we're introduced to a lot. We're into yeah. introduced to yeah. a lot of characters, but like let's just honing in on the kind of the the crew from Ferrix. Um mm -hmm. I'll say one thing that all the these three episodes do so well is really make you feel connected to the characters and feel the connections they share with one another. Um, it, it, it kind of makes me think a lot of Tatooine, you know, from a new hope. There's something about even, even though we never get to see Luke at Anchorhead, unless you've watched deleted scenes, but 
you get the sensibility that it's kind of a you know obviously it's a it's a rural backworld planet but so therefore like any senses of community are, are very important they're 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 really committed to those relationships and that's something i really picked up on is that this is this is obviously a, a very much blue collar working class world um, where folks seem to be doing some sort of mining of some kind or even I don't know, it almost looks like a ship ship graveyard. I mean, it kind of reminded me I, I never played through all of Fallen Order, but I know in the very opening levels like Cal Kestis is working on a work crew that's like salvaging old Clone Wars ships. Um, so mm-hmm. it kind of had that vibe to it, but it's, you know, a very it's a very blue collar world. Um, where there's not much going on besides you go to work, you might go to a, the, the local canteen after work, socialize, you go to bed and you get up and do it all over again, right? There's, there's, a, there's a sense of tedium and, and monotony to, to the world there. Um, but what makes yeah. it feel fleshed out and alive is the fact that these characters have connections. Um, and we get to see that all really through Cassian's lens. We get to see that through the way he relates to all of these different characters. Um, yeah. What, who are, who are the characters that stood out to you? Um, well, obviously B2, uh, and <laughs> Marva were, two. yeah, B, B2 is great. B2 is just awesome. Um, <laughs> but you know, he, he's this. He's just another great droid that they have. And I, I'm very curious to, I would be very curious to see how that droid operates in reality. And it, it looks like it's probably, you know, how it operates on the show on screen. Um, they, they were able to build something to do that. So that's fun. Um, but uh, I think aside from B2 and Marva, uh, that you know, the big one is probably obviously Bix, mm-hmm. uh, Bix Colleen. So, which by the way, when Cassian first says her name, I thought he said Biggs. I'm like, Biggs is <laughs> like Biggs Darklighter, <laughs> right? Right? Um, yeah, it took it took me a like because he says her name a few times in that opening scene with her, and every time he says mm-hmm. it, I'm like, I was like, wait, whoa, am I hearing is that Biggs? And that it took me a little bit to realize that it's Bix. <laughs> yes, yes, with an X, B I X. Um, but yeah, she's uh, you know, obviously kind of a tough as nails, no nonsense kind of a, you know, person who spends her time stripping uh, old ships and machinery to resell parts. So, um, and and she's sort of his off-world connection to to Luthen um, as we we see so it, it's gonna be interesting I would be interested to find out how the two of them met and connected uh, yeah. I feel like there's a story there but she and I'm very interested to know kind of Cassian and Bix's history like were they just you know friends uh, did they date at some point uh, well, you know, <laughs> that's one thing Marva says to him when, you know, yes. when she realizes that it's, it's come out that the, these, these Corsac officers are looking for a, 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 oh my gosh, why can't I say it? Karan, Canari, Canari, for a Canari male. Yes. Um, a Canari male. Yes. And, uh, 
Marva asks, like, how many people know? Like, how many people actually know? Because, you know, officially he's from Ferrix. That's what's in the records. That's what's on the Imperial Files. So who is he told? Yep. And she says, what about all those women? So it's kind of insinuated yeah. that Cassian's uh, a, a bit of a, of a, of a stud. <laughs> So yeah, a little, a little bit of a ladies' man, maybe. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's how he met Bix initially. Uh, you know, maybe he uh, and she got into you know trouble together over some uh, some salvage scores or something. You know, who knows? Yeah. I, I'd be curious to see kind of where their relationship started. You know. Maybe it's a bit of both. Maybe it's a bit of friendship that turned into a flirtation and then was like, nah, we're better off as friends kind of a thing. I don't know. There's obviously a history because yeah. of the way that she, you know, she's like, doesn't take any of his crap. Um, so I'm just very curious to know what that is. And obviously, Tim, her foreman, mm. which by the way, we have a guy in Star Wars named Tim. Um, but with, I think it's Tim. Is it two eyes or? I think it's Tim's. no. It's it's. Is it just Tim? It's Tim with two M's. Okay, I knew it's two M's. T I M. Yeah, oh, yeah it's Tim. Okay, yeah. Tim Carlo. He's almost got my name. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, you know, obviously Tim, who's her foreman and romantic interest at the time, uh, knows uh, some of their history too. So uh, enough to to be like. Oh, come on, Cassian's trouble. So, yeah. um, well, the thing that I, I thought was interesting that does kind of, I, I, whether or not they've had a formal relationship, like they clearly, there's obviously a flirtation there, right? Like there's, there is like this yeah. inevitable um, attraction that they share. And I feel like when Cassian asks her about like, wait, what's going on with you and Tim, right? Like he, like insinuating that there's, like, wait, is there something more going on? Like, you're not just coworkers and friends, are you? But the way in which he says it, it's not like jealous. Like, he's like a jealous lover. It's actually almost like a confidence of like, he's not even threatened by it. Like, almost as if he feels like Bix and I could be together if, if, if we really want it to be. But in the meantime, like, I'm going to be with clearly lots of randos and she's going to be with him. But like... Um, yeah, right? it, 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 there's yeah. there's either, not this like uneasiness that he feels about them. Yeah, either that or like you know, almost like a brotherly kind of thing a little bit. You know, it's it, it is. It's, mm. He's not threatened oh, by yeah, it, and true. it's almost it's almost sort of like, oh, really? You settled for him? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> you know, because I feel like, uh, you know, obviously Marva alludes to all those women mm -hmm. with Cassian. I feel like someone could probably say the same thing about Bix, all those men, you know, <laughs> and Tim is probably not her usual type um, based on Cassian's response there. So um, yeah. I that's sort of my reading into the situation. Sure. <laughs> I like though. I like though, like your, your positing of them almost being like a sibling relationship rather than a romantic mm -hmm. one. Um, because like, that almost to me could make some sense because he clearly is feeling a void of his sister's absence, right? Like that, that's mm, part of what yeah. def probably defines much of his life is, is that, that feeling of absence and, and probably a level of guilt that, you know, he, he never went back for her or something like that. So maybe Bix kind of fills that, that void in, in, in his life of, you know, that, that desire for the sister he lost. Um, so, uh, that's an interesting uh, point you make, Jason. 
No, I think I think your your take on that is actually very accurate. I think you know we're gonna you know we'll probably learn some more about that, and uh, it it would make sense you know if he's you know lived with his sister and you know obviously if you're a village of of adolescents and children you know you have to cling to each other to survive, uh, which means that he probably felt great responsibility for his little sister. And when that was sort of, you know, taken very suddenly from him, uh, regardless of what the, the motivations for that were, um, you know, there's definitely going to be some sort of guilt and a, a hole. And so if uh, Marva and Clem took him to Ferrix after that, and there was this girl Bix, who's about his age, he's probably going to, you know, cling to that pretty quickly yeah. in order to try and fill that, that, you know, sibling void, uh, that he uh, has kind of now gaping in his heart. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and uh, another character from Ferrix I really, really like is, um, Brasso. Um, I think is how you say his name. Uh, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the worker, the the scrap yeah. worker, yeah, the one who uh, ties up the uh, the ship so that it can't escape. Yes, um, I don't know his. I I think that he's just you know he obviously just friends with Cassian. Um, mm-hmm. But their their interplay in that first scene of them together, right, where they're Cassian is basically asking him to lie for him, right, cover cover up for me. Um, mm-hmm. And he just kind of immediately does it. And, but also, like, he takes the story Cassian gives him, but puts a spin on it that also allows him to kind of be in control of the situation, really, right? Like, I like yeah. it where he's like, fine, I'll do this for you, but we're going to do it my way. You know? Um, right. There's there's something about Brasso that he just – the way he carries himself, the way the actor really plays the the part is he, he – there's just such a sense of nobility to him. He just seems like a good person. Um, like a, a, he's got a corner. look to him. There, yeah. There's like a, a really striking kind of look to to him. And, you know, he seems to weigh things very seriously um, and is a, you know, a, a man of his word. And you can see that in his mannerisms. Um, and... I, I hope we see more of him, but I have no idea if that's in the cards. So uh, we'll we'll just have to wait see uh, because we don't know if we're coming back to Ferrix anytime soon. So yeah, um, um, can I can I make a quick comment about the fact that this whole the first three episodes this whole story takes place in the corporate sector, which is mm. a creation of Brian Daly's all the way back from the original Han Solo trilogy in 1978. Brian Daly was given the, the contract to write these Han Solo stories before empire ever came out. Um, and was basically told, well, you can't really have it rebel versus empire. So he created this section of the galaxy that is ruled by the corporate sector and they're kind of in allegiance with the empire, but they're not subservient to the empire. I would say Mm -hmm. it seems like one, Difference certainly in the show is that the corporate sector does uh, 
seem to almost like it, it pays homage to the empire, but it's almost like the empire is contracted out to them, right? Like the yeah. empire's yeah. in control. Like, yeah, you're the corporate sector, but we're in control of you, but we're going to like kind of liaison through you. Um, but yeah. it was just, I, I mean, I love the Brian Daly Han Solo books. Um, so it was just really cool. I, I just, I always call those officers, the Corsac officers, cause that's what they are in the books. I don't think they're called that in the book, in the, in the show, but I don't care. <laughs> um, that's what I'm calling them. Uh, so I, I love that. And it's, it's neat too, because it, the story starts outside the empire. It starts with like a local, local authorities that are you know, they have the backing of the empire, but I think it obviously is showing the trajectory even of the story of rebellion, right? Like it's, it's starting with this kind of contracted group that is also, you know, it uses a heavy hand when it feels like it, which is very much mm-hmm. like the empire. And they know that the empire would back them if they needed it. Um, yeah. So I like that it kind of starts there outside the purview of the, the, of Imperial center, if you will. So, uh, I really, I really like that. That's that's kind of the setting of this, the opening part of our story. Yeah, yeah. He's. Uh, it is a. It's a fun setting, and it's a new side of Star Wars. We've all kind of, uh, you know, heard about, seen a little bit, uh, you know, around the edges. But it's nice to kind of actually see it show up in, uh, in the on on screen. Um, you know, in any sort of way. So uh, Cyril is a very interesting character. I think he's quite fascinating uh, because he is very obsessive, Mm. like to an absurd degree. Um, But he's, you know, he, he almost seems like he's trying to make a name for himself. So the emperor, the empire will notice because he he's so obsessive over his job that he even goes to get his work provided uniform tailored (laughs) fit better. Yeah. And it's super trim and, and sleek looking. And it's very much got this sort of portions more along the lines of like an Imperial officer's uniform rather than the, the, the corporate sector uniforms that we see everyone else wearing. They're a bit more loose, a bit more bag baggy. I mean, his boss there, when he goes to give the initial report, um, very loose. He's, you know, looks like the kind of guy who's been at that job for decades, uh, enough to, um, you know, be relaxed in his role, uh, (laughs) and to know kind of how things run. Um, Whereas this this guy is a young, fresh-faced, ambitious type uh, who's using his role as a deputy inspector to try and get attention from higher-ups, maybe? I don't know. Like, that's kind of the, the vibe I'm getting from him. Uh, I feel like he's got uh, aspirations beyond his station, um, for sure. So, yes. Yeah, Cyril is a, a very interesting character. Um he, yeah, I definitely agree that he's got, he's got bigger dreams than uh, he, he's just, yeah, he's so obsessed with like his, his role there. And, you know, when his, his superior is basically like concocting the story that they're going to tell about the death of these two other officers, mm-hmm. he's like, are you getting my meaning? He's like trying to, sir. Right. Like it's really, yeah. and 
he just he's very much a letter of the law type of character. Um, you know who that's kind of similar to? Obi-Wan Kenobi from episode one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not I'm not saying they're the same. Certainly not. But but similar to Obi-Wan, who's very dedicated to the Jedi code and the letter of the law to that code. Um, that's kind of what Cyril's character is, is he's he's this young, ambitious guy who who clearly thinks that his way to advance in his career, to advance his name is to 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 play play the game by every possible rule and taking those rules very literally. And what I appreciate about what kind of happens with his character is is he realizes he's he's opened up something a lot bigger than he thought. <laughs> um oh, he's, yeah. he's he's definitely in over his head. And I mean I have a feeling he's going to going to be somewhat similar possibly to um uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name from Rebels. Uh, he he becomes Fulcrum. He changes sides from the Empire. Oh oh oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> oh my um, gosh, what is wrong with me? I can see his face. Um, yeah, mutton chops. Um, yeah, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with us, Jason? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's I'm very focused on Andor. I, I know. can't think of cat. Uh, oh. uh, no. Everybody's yelling at us right now. That's listening. I'm going to Google it. uh, Anyway, but like kind of like his character, right? Who's who's very dedicated to the Empire. And then it's, you know, having this. Callus. Agent Callus. Thank you. Agent Callus. Agent Callus, who, you know, kind of comes to learn that nobody really cares about him. Um, yeah. And, and I could see, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying this will happen, but I could see that possibly happening for Cyril as well is, um, I mean, he's even, I mean, he's even running into that right off, right off, uh, the bat is even his superiors. They just don't care. They're just going to like, kind of let this be forgotten. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, his, his boss accurately reads the situation. Like mm-hmm. he's like, mm-hmm. no, these guys were <laughs> asking were for not. It. They they're asking for it. They were doing yeah. things uh, in an area that shouldn't exist uh, at a place that they shouldn't be able to afford. Yeah, uh, throwing their weight around with people they shouldn't be near, um, and they got themselves into a fight that they didn't walk away from. So he accurately read the situation. Yeah, and probably would have been very lenient with Cassian if Cassian had been brought to him. But he has to go talk to the Empire, give their uh, their, you know, quarterly report or whatever the heck yeah. it is, and has to leave Cyril in charge. And Cyril is taking advantage of the situation that his boss is out of town uh, to do his own witch hunt. Yes. Um, and, and he doesn't, of course, doesn't see it as a witch hunt. He sees it as, you know, the the express uh, hand of justice being fulfilled. You know that this is this is what his job is 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 to bring these people to justice uh and he the idea that his fellow co-workers could have been in the wrong just can't get through his head yeah um, yeah um so yeah it, it it's it's definitely an interesting thing and I think at the end of the third episode, when uh, Luthen and, and Cassian zoom away, and he's standing there with, you know, maybe half of his strike squad dead or severely injured, uh, he's. I'm very curious to see if we find out what happens when he gets back and his boss shows up and is like, "I'm sorry, 
Did you not? What did you do? <laughs> yeah. You did what? <laughs> because of you, there's more people dead. Yeah. You know, and I'm curious to see how that's going to impact him. Um, there, you know, you're right. He could become sort of a, a callous type character. The other option I see with, with Cyril is that he gets fired and then becomes a vigilante to hunt Cassian down. I, 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 so I, I, I'm following when you say get fired, could see that, but not, I don't, he's too much of a rule follower to become a vigilante in my book. He joins the empire is probably where he goes next. Fair. Um, Fair. I feel like that'd be his next course of action. And I think what's interesting is, is when his boss is off planet to deal with the empire and at first, right, nobody really wants to help him. They're like, dude, just let it go. Like, right. This, this, this stuff happens because these guys were idiots. Um, yeah. So who does he loop in though? He brings in kind of this extremist type character. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Linus? No, not Linus. Yeah. <laughs> Which his name yeah. was Linus. No, it is. It is Linus. It's Linus. It okay. is Linus. Yeah, Linus Mosk. Um, and uh, you know, who right, he he a very intense character, very militaristic. A similar mm-hmm. cut to his uniform as well. That as mm-hmm. Cyril, right? They they they've they seem to have done it up with a little bit of armor under their under their vests. Right there. Yeah, well, he's a he's a strike force True. commander. So, That's a good point. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, we were talking about this earlier, Jason. But I want to make sure. I, I, I just, so the actor that plays Linus, um, he's played by Alex Ferns. Alex Ferns plays the commissioner in the the Batman, the newest Batman movie that Matt Reeves did, and uh, he, spoiler alert, he gets killed by the Riddler, um, but. In, uh, it's funny because his character, Linus, says the S word. It's the first time we've ever had the word shit in Star Wars. Um, yeah. And what's funny is is his character in The Batman, the commissioner character. So The Batman is a PG-13 movie. And in, in the rules, a PG-13 movie is allowed one F word. And his character gets to say it <laughs> at the beginning of yep. the movie. He says to Batman, he goes, oh, t- it's Halloween tonight. It must be your favorite effing night of the year, huh, pal? So it just, I just <laughs> I, I cracked up when I realized that this – I didn't know they were the same actor. My friend Ben actually sent me a picture. He's like, did you realize this is the same actor as from the Batman? I was like, no, I couldn't tell at all. Cause I mean, he's got a beard in the Batman. He's, he's got like a New York accent. Whereas here he's got, you know, an Irish one, which I'm almost yeah. guessing might be his real, his real voice. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was really funny that the first character in star Wars to ever drop the word shit is the same character who gets to drop the one F bomb in the Batman. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so he's, he's hired to swear. Yeah. And then yeah. that's it. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it is, you know, he's a, an intense character and I, I like him a lot as a, as a, you know, an antagonist, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's definitely drinking on he's the job. Definitely, so what? He's drinking on the oh, job yeah, drink- when he's up there, like with his, with his rifle. <laughs> Yep. Oh yeah, he's he's drinking on the job. He's he's definitely a character that you love to hate. Yeah. Um you know. So uh I'm I'm very curious to see if he comes back or not and you know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Like I I think this one of the biggest things about these three episodes so far is that uh we spend, you know, time with all these characters. And there's every possibility 
that half of these characters will not be seen for the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, it's possible, um, but maybe they've got it, you know, written so that we'll, you know, come back around at some point and meet up with them later on, you know, on Cassian's adventures. But, you know, I'm, I'm invested enough in the characters to, you know, be curious to see what happens after this moment. Uh, because it's a big moment on Ferrix when, you know, Cassian and Luthen meet up and then have to shoot their way out of town uh, when these officers come to arrest Cassian. So, you know, that's, it's a really big deal in, in this town. Yeah. Um, side note, I love the guy who, who plays the, the with the hammers that does the, the big gong he, thing. When when we saw him in the the first teaser for the show, honestly thought that act like he kind of looks like John Favreau. Um, there's something about his face that looks very John Favreau like. I mean, I know it's not John Favreau now, but it, right. it kind of looked yeah. like John Favreau. Um, yeah, I, I love how I it's think. almost like an art form, right? Like it, he yeah. he takes so much pride in it. Um, yes. Yeah, I I really dig that character too, and it, it my guess is that he's right. He's He's the one who kind of gives the structure to the day, right? This is when the workday yes. starts. This is when the workday ends. So, um, yeah, that's his job. Yeah. He, he's probably been doing it for decades um, and will do it until he can't lift the hammers anymore. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. But I think kind of building off of that is the, I don't know what you call it, uh, but sort of the when the word goes out mm, and everyone's clanging. banging on the the different yeah. you know instruments that they have you know as the officers are coming through looking for Cassian and it kind of gets Cassian and Luthen on alert um, in the first place which is great um, but it's the way that they've communi- they're communicating you know through the city um, and that whole aspect I think of the scene is it builds up was a really cool uh, concept and I think it worked really, really well. Um, and I, it went on for minutes, Yeah, you know, it just yeah. in the background constant. And then of course, Marva says, you know, it's when it stops. You should be worried when it stops, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and then of course it stops and yeah. the tension was really great. Yes. Um, so, so quick side note that it, uh, so that, that, system of warning um, is lifted right out of something from, oh my gosh, I should have done my homework, but I saw somebody post this, that it's something done in Latin America to also like uh, signal like a warning. Um, it's a particular mm-hmm. culture in Latin America that, that has a very similar system like this of warning to like rain, warn of a, an impending threat. Um, so I feel like an idiot for not having read the full article and to, to be able to speak specifically to which culture it is, but very cool that it's 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 lifted right out of something from human culture um as a mm. warning system but yeah uh and it's it, like as as it starts to and the the officers that are guarding marva you know she's like ah it's she's like she's stoking them a bit right like oh yeah it, it's clearly uh freaking she's using them out. it to unnerve them yes and what i find really fascinating is at the end of the third episode where you do it, you have Cassian leaving. Um, you know, he's, he's fleeing the situation. He's fleeing the danger he's in and probably 
in hopes of keeping the people he cares about safe. Um, Mm -hmm. But you also have uh, Linus going up to Cyril and being like, we have to go now. And Cyril's kind of just like in this daze and he grabs him by the uniform and just drags him off. Right. It's funny that both sides to be seem to be equally afraid. And I think the court, so they are called corpos in the show. It just came to me. So I call them Corsac, but they're corpos. Um, that's how, yes. that's how they're kind of referred to in the episodes. Um, but the corpos, the, those, those officers are genuinely in, in a threat. Like they've been attacked. Mm-hmm. They know that the people are rallying against them. So they do know that they're in an, an immediate imminent threat. So they need to get out of there. But I think yeah. for Cassian, and and Luthen and stuff is they know if they stick around whether or not the corpos come back in force i think the bigger threat is the empire might take notice right and uh right and that's who you really want to be careful of especially because the uh the box that right uh cassian was trying to sell to Luthen is still there in the warehouse um and so if anybody comes back around to you know to sort of clean up the scene and investigate the scene they find that box that's probably what's going to bring the empire into things um you know i'm i'm very curious i'm interested to you know to see if you know uh cyril's boss uh even comes back like maybe his report isn't good enough and an imperial officer comes back to sort of uh take over things until they can get a suitable replacement um, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works. But I do think that box being left behind, to your point, is definitely going to get the attention of the Empire and is going to bring unwanted attention to Cassian, um, it, which will further cause him to have to leave mm-hmm. and stay far away. So, yeah. Yeah, and Uh, to to kind of just loop back to this, and I know I kind of started our conversation around this, um, but since we're kind of looking at those kind of closing moments of of the third episode, with Cassian leaving, Luthen is, again, he he is very much the the Ben Kenobi character, right? Kind of inviting mm -hmm. our hero on a journey, inviting him into a new life. Um, Cassian, it seems like, so I will admit it took me a, a... the, at least the second time to really kind of pick up a little bit more on some of the subtleties of the plot. Um, Cassian's not looking to join the rebellion at all. Like that doesn't seem no. to be, he, it seems like he and Bix have been running jobs, running scams. He's got this Imperial device that he knows can make him a lot of money, but he's kind of just sitting on it. But what causes him to kind of expediate that process, the, the anxiety that kind of clings to Cassian in the all three episodes is he knows he's going to become a wanted man for killing those two officers um right so it kind of expedites him needing to get rid of that thing but he needs some money in order to get off the planet so that he can you know stay away keep himself safe and probably again by extension the people he cares about safe um right it kind of just exasperates things but when luthan shows up luthan sees something in him right like sees that cassian and, and I think, again, this is where we'll get more backstory probably fleshed out later on, you know, and something that was told to us all the way back in Rogue One is that he grew up on a separatist planet, that he fought against the Republic. Um, so, you know, I think Luthen clearly knows who he is, uh, knows who his father was. So I'm sure we'll learn more about his father. 
Um, so Luthen sees something in him and is 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 calling that forth. Um, Cassian doesn't go with this sense of excitement. Like he he's not he's not Luke coming back from the farm saying I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi. Like, right? That's he's not there yet. He's leaving. I think just again more for the immediate safety of himself and the people he cares about. Um, right. But inevitably is also now thrust forward on this kind of her- heroic journey, as we can uh, insinuate. Um, and I love yeah. the closing shots of uh, my favorite, probably one of my favorite shots of the, all three episodes. It's it's very sad, but very beautiful is that shot of Marva sitting in his room that's, you know, been ransacked by the Corpos. Yeah. She's got this, the close up of the single tear. You know how I feel about those, Jason. Love a good single tear. Yes. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> the emotion of that moment is so beautiful and what it calls forth to me is is whenever we're kind of thrust into a new a, to a new mode of life whether it's a new start or restarting it comes at a cost right you know Cassian is also mm-hmm. having to say goodbye to a world he's built for himself um with with friends and family now he has to start over so it's not that he's going off seeking to be a a, a rebel hero he's leaving stay safe and keep others safe, which is a heroic gesture in, in, in a way. But Luthen knows there's something more to him and, and is obviously going to become the mentor to tease that out. And, you know, as he's giving the rules to Cassian too, like rule one, never carry something that, that you can't control or and rule two, always, you know, go in with an exit. When we yeah. see Cassian capture Cyril, he immediately like takes rule one into effect, takes his common, smashes it, right? Like it, it's very yeah. clear right from from the get-go that Cassian is going to be mentored by Luthen. Absolutely. And of course, you know, he doesn't he doesn't invite, you know, Cassian to any sort of like rebellion or anything like yeah, that. You know, true. it's probably not really uh formed at this point. He just says, Don't you want to fight these bastards for real? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of very vague. Yeah. Um and so Cassian has no idea what he's getting himself into, but he has no other choice at this point but to go with Luthen. Um, and Luthen has apparently been interested in trying to talk to Cassian for a, a while now. Um, because as you said, he knows about him. He knows all about Cassian. Uh, so I'm very interested to see where this goes. Uh, this goes from here um, because obviously Cassian's going to start asking questions like, okay, what's next? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are we doing? And yeah. where are we going? And uh, that's going to be the, uh, the next phase of this adventure is figuring out what Luthen is up to uh, and how Cassian is going to get pulled into that world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and that's why I'm very excited for episode four, right? So. Which is only a few hours away as of this recording, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and that that again, the closing kind of montage of shots where we also then get to see kind of everybody he's encountered on Ferrix too, right? Like we see, uh, I don't remember the two characters' names, but I think they're a father and a son. They come in, you know, yeah, uh, unchain um, Bix, pull her away. Uh, we get the really great shot of Brasso sitting at the the bar. Um, there's something Tim that, is left dead in Tim, the street. Yeah, Tim you know? is left dead. Um, we get a sense that 
everybody has now been affected by what Cassian set into motion. And the way that it's kind of shot, uh, some of the characters, it does make me feel like maybe we won't see them again. Like that they're going to have to move on now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really do think we'll see Bix and Marva again, at least though. Um, cause Bix also, Bix clearly has a relationship with Luthen. Um, you know, mm-hmm. she, she has some sort of deal with him. She, again, we, she may not know everything he's up to. She may not know he's, working to ferment a rebellion, but she's clearly helping this guy out. So she, she knows more about him. So I could see her being involved again. And same with Marva. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, lots of really great stuff. Lots of, lots of open questions, which, which is good. We're just starting the story. There's going to be mm-hmm. a lot more things to learn as, as we progress. Um, so like you, I'm, I'm really excited for where this is going to go next. Yeah, definitely. Um, now we're not, you know, while we definitely love, you know, love what we got and we are thoroughly enjoying the story and, uh, eager to see where it takes us next. Um, you know, it's not the perfect show. Um, nope. and you know, <laughs> Carl and I have some little quibbles, um, and so we, you know, we're going to kind of give you our thoughts on some of the things that, you know, maybe aren't working as well for us, uh, that, you know, for, as they may be for others. Um, you know, we're not bashing it. We're not saying it's terrible and horrible, but it's like, eh, this is just something that I've noticed that, mm. you know, maybe it doesn't, you know, maybe it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe, uh, I just need more time with it. Maybe it's just, you know, whatever. So, um, do you want to kick that off? Or do you want me to go ahead and start? <laughs> uh, I'm kind of curious what, I, I have no idea what you, what like wasn't, wasn't working for you. So I'm, I'd love to hear you start. Well, I think one of the things, and you know, we, we sort of alluded to it is that, uh, there are so many mm. characters and people that we talk to in these three episodes. It's hard for me to keep up with them. We didn't even mention, the guy that we played at the beginning of the episode, <laughs> yeah. uh, Vetch, <laughs> you know, who is a great one, you know, what? one moment character. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> you said I got to stand here, you know. It's a great character moment. Yeah. It, it's just one of those fun Star Wars goofy things. Yeah. Um, but we didn't even talk about those guys, you know, at all. Uh, you know, th- there's so many characters. I had trouble, you know, initially, and, and I've I've watched the both episodes twice or all three episodes twice now. Um, and, and initially, uh, it was hard for me to kind of keep track of who the characters was were, and I, I still don't know half of their names. Like I, I we're telling you these names, but. I'm looking yeah. at Wikipedia yeah, yeah, yeah. and the starwars.com yeah. databank just to, to tell you these names because I don't know, you know, in and of myself, uh, other than a few of them. So I, I think that's just one of the things is they were, they were definitely trying to build, uh, a, a world that had a lot of connections and a lot of, of, you know, people that are, are in this, this world, in this situation, which is great. Um, but they overloaded me, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, initially. So uh, I felt a little overwhelmed with just the, the sheer volume of characters. I felt like I was supposed to be keeping track of. 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I can, I can deal with it, you know, with subsequent viewings, it's easier to, to, to manage that, but at least initially it was, it was a little overwhelming and I felt like I was missing something sometimes because I was trying to focus on who was who and what they were and who they were in relation to Cassian or the plot that was happening. So, um, that's just something that I struggled with initially. So, um, We'll see how that goes from here. So, yeah, it's, it's valid. Just like the High Republic books, they introduce yeah. every book has like a million new characters. Just put a damn yes. you know dramatist persona at the beginning, for God's sake. <laughs> that would be that would be beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that would be beautiful. Yeah. Um, uh, I've got one other one other thing, but did you want to sure. no, share ahead. one first? Go ahead. Okay, uh, and this is just a, a, a technical thing, and it might be. Um, due to my, my TV, mm. uh, cause I don't have a, a, a sound system with it, but there was a, the mix sometimes seemed to be uneven. The, the audio mix, um, seemed to be uneven because the, the music at the beginning and the end of the episodes, very loud, um, when it played on my Disney plus on my TV. Um, but we have so many scenes where characters are whispering that I kept having to turn my volume up to hear what they were saying. <laughs> and then I had to turn it back down so I didn't blow my eardrums out at the end of the episode when the music starts playing again. So uh, it was one of those things where, you know, and this is an editing thing. Um, I, the mix is probably optimized for a system I don't have. Um, <laughs> so it's just something I'm going to have to to figure out how to deal with, I guess. But, you know, the... I feel like some of the scenes where they're they're talking quietly and whispering could have just been bumped up in the mix just a little bit. Uh, but that's just a technical thing that I I noticed because I was having trouble with. And again, yeah. it might just be because of my sure, setup. Sure. So, yeah. Um, well, my my biggest thing is uh, it, it's it's not <clears throat> it's not specific to Andor. It's it's a it's a Star Wars Disney issue, and it just I just feel like it just keeps getting perpetuated with each new releases. Why do you hate aliens, Star Wars Disney? Like, why is every <laughs> planet just full of humans? And when you give us aliens, would it kill you to give us some familiar aliens from Star Wars? Like, they always give us these new aliens. So, and this is my one of my big indictments of Kenobi is every new alien we got looked like they came out of Star Trek, not Star Wars. Like, and I know that's like it's. That's like a style thing. It's hard to say like the specifics of that. Um, but like some of the aliens in Kenobi and again, same with the couple little aliens we see in the background of the show. I'm like, these look like Star Trek aliens, not Star Wars. Um, so would it, it kill you to have a rodeo? It's very Doctor Who. If you've, uh, okay. if you've watched any of the modern Doctor Who, there are definitely like it would not surprise me if the aliens are made in the same shop. Okay. You know, they're that similar. You know, okay. The, there, there's a lot of, 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 I mean, even, even Vetch, uh, seems to be a little derivative of, uh, an alien that I watched in Doctor Who not too long ago. So, mm. um, and whether that's intentional or not, I have no idea. It could just be the same designer working on both shows. I don't know. Uh, I haven't, I haven't looked into that, but yeah, I, I would agree is that the, some of these aliens seem, you know, a bit Star Trek or a bit Doctor Who. And I would like to just, you know, throw a Rodian or yep. a Twi'lek 
or something in the background. You know, would it would it kill you to have yeah. something like that? Be real, like Gussie. Put a gun a gun in there. Way. Put a gun gun in. Yeah. I dare you, Disney. Stop being such cowards. Give us a damn gun gun. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, it, 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 so like Andor just makes it feel more pronounced, but Kenobi failed at this miserably. Um, the sequel trilogy failed at this miserably. Like as much as I love Solo, even Solo doesn't really give us good aliens. I mean, at least it has a couple familiar ones on Dryden's yacht. Um, but yeah, so that, again, this isn't specific to Andor. It just kind of like has come to a head for me because it's like, wow, every single thing Disney puts out that Star Wars, it seems like we get less and less aliens. And then as we in the aliens we get just don't feel like Star Wars aliens to me. So again, that's not an indictment on the show. Like the story is still great. The the show's still great, but mm-hmm. it, I don't feel like I'm in the galaxy far, far away. Um, so again, yeah, that's, that's me personally. Um, yeah. So yeah, just give us some damn, f- every, uh, I, I don't want to be in that crowd where it's like, well, George did this, but the one, I think the one incredibly ingenious thing George did do was every Star Wars movie, he brought back familiar aliens and gave you some new ones as well. So there was yes. always a bit of a mix of the old and the new and Disney is just yeah. so invested in a clearly just casting humans. And then when it gives us aliens, they're all new aliens that debatably look like Star Wars aliens in my opinion. So uh, so that 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 definitely fails hard for me. Not two series in a row now. <laughs> so, and that, yeah. I guess it shouldn't be two. And, it's only three episodes in, but um, right. maybe maybe and we'll get some I, more aliens think, when we go to Coruscant. Yeah, and I think you know some of these aliens could become you know could feel Star Wars, but it's hard when we don't have the other aliens to sort of like ease them in. You right. know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you you know if if we had a you know Vetch next to you know, like a Weequay or a, or a Rodian or something, have like one of those walk through uh, at some point uh, during that scene, you know, may, maybe he wouldn't feel so out of place sometimes. Um, sure. You know, yeah. it, it would, you know, but yes, I, I think totally go, go ahead, go for it, make some new aliens, but please bring back some of the old ones. We right. like our old aliens. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mix them in, mix them in. It's, right. it's, you know, it's not that it's not I wouldn't that think hard. it's I wouldn't think it's that hard. Yeah. Um, but clearly Disney doesn't know how to do it. So <laughs> somebody's got to tell them that, you know, right. uh, it, we need a new creature. It's Neil Scanlon's got to go because he he's not doing a very good job, in my opinion. Yeah, I, um, I think he worked on Doctor Who. That name. Sounds oh, OK. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's been working yeah. on Star Wars creatures since the sequel trilogy. And I just I yeah. just don't think he's doing a great job. My opinion. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I, I, I hate using names because I, I don't mean to sound like I'm attacking them. That's that that's not my intention yeah. at all. Um, and and but that's, that's also a pref. It's just a preference. It's a preference thing. thing. Yeah. You know? I, I know tons of people just don't care about that and that's totally, that's totally valid. Um, so yeah, uh, I just do. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing that just, and again, it's, it's only three episodes in, so maybe it'll change, but the music was wildly underwhelming. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, anybody who's listened to the show for a long time, know, know how important star Wars music is to the two of us. Um, even the Andor theme, which I hesitate to call a theme because it's more of a motif than a theme. Um, it's, it's, it's all synth, it's all synth, right? Like it's, it it feels like a sci-fi show more than like something like operatic and cinematic, like most Star Wars pieces of music. Mm -hmm. So that said, like Ludwig Gornson definitely did some interesting new things with Star Wars music with, with Mandalorian. But he also still maintained the sense of themes. Like he created a theme for Mandalorian. He created themes for the Empire. He cre- he created different th- 
thematic movements that get weaved into the storytelling. And so far, three episodes in, there's not really been any of that. Like other than the no. again the the Cassian motif, like that's certainly been used a little bit, and it's fine. Like it's catchy. I don't I don't think it's mind blowing. It's fine. Um, but I we were talking about this a bit before we recorded and. Again, kind of like with the aliens thing, it's, it's really a matter of preference. So again, like these are my personal criticisms. Other people may be like, I don't notice that at all. I don't care, <laughs> um, which is cool. Right. Um, but what this, the style of music in these three episodes remind me of is, is it's more tonal than thematic. And, and again, I don't know if I'm using proper music language. I'm not musically formally educated. I'm just going off of uh, my very amateur level. But what I mean by tonal is, is the music in there is there to just kind of be in the background to set a mood it's not really there to tell a story um right and yeah. and, and the way i'll just again just this is a very simplistic generalization but i'll call it the the john williams school and the hans zimmer school john williams mm-hmm. famously creates themes uses those themes to tell a story hans zimmer um, specifically later on in his career, he was, he was more like John Williams earlier on, but later into his career, he's created more of what I call like tonal music. Um, and you see this a lot in the superhero movies, specifically DC movies, other than the Batman, which yeah. is brilliant with Michael Giacchino. But most of the DC movies have garbage music, in my opinion. Um, and even a lot of the Marvel yeah. movies don't have great music because they're more, to me, they're, they're just, they're tonal. They're there to set an ambiance, to set a feel but they're not using the music to tell a story in the same way. So again, it's a preference thing. It's not a, it's not a, this is wrong. This is right. Um, I prefer the more thematic musical storytelling of a John Williams to the tonal music yeah. that we're kind of getting in Andor. And to me, the perfect example of that, the, the only music that I really felt in the Andor episode so far was that, that closing piece of music, you know, where he's leaving and we're getting the flashbacks to him being, mm-hmm. um, you know, taken with Marva the music there is certainly emotive. I, I, it evoked a sense of emotion in me, for sure. I felt the weight and the emotion of those scenes. Um, but I feel like if you listen to that music without the show, like if you listen to them isolated, I don't know that you'd feel the same way because they're dependent, in my opinion, on the scene as well. Like it's mm-hmm. what you're it's, – it's enhancing the visual, um, but it's – I don't know that it would feel the same on its own. And I could be wrong. We'll see what happens when they release it, but – um, so that's kind of what I, that, I just wanted to be able to like flesh that out at least a little bit to say like this, these are the preferences yeah. I have. And this is why I feel like it just, it didn't quite match that, that preference that I personally have. Yeah. And, and I'm honestly right there with you, uh, in terms of the music, the, you know, mu- star Wars music is very, very important to me. Um, you know, just, you know, everyone who's listened to the show for any length of time knows how much Carl and I listen to star Wars music. Um, it's it's almost absurd um (laughs) (laughs) but uh the the music in this show so far um has been a little on the underwhelming side and it it, you're right it is uh a a mood enhancer rather than a a a Mm co-storyteller um so and there's a distinct possibility that that will all change now that we're out of the prologue, because as I For said, sure. you know, these first three episodes yep. really are just the prologue. Um, and you know, it, it's the longest prologue I've ever watched. Um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it, it really is sort of just, here's what kicks off the story. The story starts now. Um, 
And, and I think that's part of why I'm so excited about the fourth episode. Um, so it's possible it'll change. Maybe we'll start getting themes formulating um, now that we're going to be out in the galaxy and we're going to start seeing, you know, the empire uh, and, and maybe some familiar faces in terms of, you know, Mon Mothma and Bail Organa, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we'll start seeing some more themes showing up now that we're in the broader world of star Wars. Um, you know, it's, you know, one can hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like you said, I mean, I think the, the, you, you, you summed it up perfectly, Jason, by just saying that at the end of the day, this all comes down to just preference, you know? Um, and I, th- yeah. I think it's, it's, it's worth noting that our criticisms aren't anything about the story itself. Like it's a, it's a damn right. good story. It's a solid story. It's well-written. It's well-acted. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it there's... I really wanted to say my thing about aliens and I think it's just worth noting about the music too, because we could just, you know, and I think part of what so many fans I've seen react so lovingly to this, to these first three episodes is these are, I I have friends too. Like they've just wanted something very different from star Wars for a while. Um, And that's what Cassian certainly is. It's a, it's, it's a very Mm -hmm. different kind of story. It's a different looking kind of story. It's a different sounding kind of story. So for all of those fans that have been hungering for that, I'm so happy for them. Like they're getting, they're getting what they want in spades. I think, um, I just have some really (laughs) weird specific things I love in star Wars that I just felt like so far have been a little bit lacking. So, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, everybody's got their preferences. And, and at the end of the day, I'm so happy for the people that are, uh, I mean, I'm really liking the story too. Um, but I'm, I, yeah. I'm especially happy for the people that, that have been waiting for a story like this. Um, I haven't been, uh, I, I, it's cool that we're getting it, but for the folks that have been waiting for it, I'm just so happy for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we're going to, we're definitely going to keep watching it. So, <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> Um, and I'm, and and we'll be back to talk more about it. I'm sure in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if nothing else, we'll definitely do sort of a a season one wrap up show. If there's some big stuff that happens, we might just throw in an episode here and there because it is 12 episodes in a season. Yeah. Uh, you know, unlike Kenobi, which was only six, um, you know, or Mandalorian, which was eight. Uh, so we got more more story to work with. So we'll, we'll see what happens uh, and uh, moving forward, but I'm, I'm definitely excited to see where it goes from here and, and how we're, how we're going to get Cassian from being just sort of a, a down on his luck, uh, you know, guy, you know, pulling odd jobs to get by to being someone who ends up uh, being an agent for the rebel Alliance doing their dirty work when nobody wants to know that they have dirty work to do. So, (laughs) yep. More to come, Jason, more to come, more to (laughs) come for sure. All right. Well, anything else, um, before we, we wrap up, you know, our discussion here, any, any other aspects of the show you wanted to make sure you mentioned? Do you hear that? It's a reckoning. <laughs> oh, yes. So it is good. a reckoning. <laughs> I reckon it's a good show. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, 
Well, Carl, if people want to weigh in their thoughts on the first three episodes of Andor and, you know, their continued, you know, what they're excited about moving forward, where can people get in contact with us? Uh, well, we are on Instagram at the Wampas Lair. Oh, yeah, at Wamp. Yeah, the Wampas Lair. My goodness, Carl. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Wampas Lair, and you can always email us at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Anything else before we close out this episode? All good to go. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampas Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 485 and or premiere. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.